Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you don't go, you won't know. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, we read the words of God when he says, I will send out my word and it will always produce fruit, accomplish what I want it to and prosper wherever I'm sending it. That means that if we choose to go in the direction of God's word, we will know the blessing of producing fruit, accomplishing God-sized goals and prospering according to his purposes beyond our limited human potential. Beyond all of that. In other words, all we need to do is align ourselves to God's word. Isn't it that simple? But it actually doesn't start there. It starts by first positioning ourselves under Christ's lordship. Because until you've positioned yourself under his authority, you won't trust aligning your walk to his words. I can go to the doctor and I'm like, I've done this. I've t- we all do this nowadays. Like a doctor's worst enemy, Google. Okay? So I go to the doctor, and we've got a few doctors here nodding their heads already. And, and I'll go in and say, you know, I have this thing. And they'll say, oh, it's spies. And I'll say, no, I looked that up. It's not that. I, until I submit to the authority of the doctor's word, I won't walk in alignment with that word. In the same way, until I've positioned myself under the authority of Christ, I won't trust aligning my walk to his words. Yeah, but God, I don't really know about that because I, but you don't know, but God in my, but I'll do it. So it actually starts with us coming under submission to the authority of Jesus in order to walk alongside in alignment with his word. So maybe you've thought this thought, and I totally have this, so please, if you've thought this, don't feel bad. Just laugh at yourself because we're human. But like, you might have said this year, God, I want to go. You know, at church, they're saying we must go. I want, God, this year, I'm going to go and serve. I mean, we've had, we've had 31 people that have just joined us at Growth Track for the last four weeks. Um, those are Growth Tracks, a four-week, four-step journey in Southside Church, which is an on-ramp into the life of our church. So you're not just warming a seat on a Sunday. You're actually integrated into the community of the church. We got 31 people doing that. Guess why? They went, God, I want to go. I'm going. Every Tuesday night, I'll take the kids, and I'm going to go. And they've gone. But what we will often do is this, and I'm sure you've all done it. God, I want to go because I want to put you first in my life. Have you ever said that in your head? Like, Lord, I want to put you first. I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone to put you first. Hey, how noble is that? I'm like, jeez, every one of us has said that at some stage. God, I want to go in alignment with your word because I want to put you first. The thing is, The thing is, he already is first. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So this is what we think. We're like, God, as uh, things rotate on the axis of my world, I want to choose to put you first. And we're like, oh, what a privilege. Oh, jeez, really? Really, Paul? Like, can I be first in your life? Wow, it's like you never put God first. Let me help you understand. You can't place God. 
but you can position yourself. <laughs> now we're talking right language. You can't place God first. <laughs> but you can position yourself. See, God doesn't need your striving to be placed first, you know. Like, I'm going to work really hard, Lord, to put you first in my life. God doesn't need your striving to be placed first. But you need his first place to win your race. Flip it right on its head and let's get over ourselves here. We aren't as good as we think. What this means is that at the end of the day, we don't do things to put God first. We do things because God is first. I don't get out the boat and walk because like, Lord, I want to put you first. He is first. I get up because he is. And we read scriptures like 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 that tell us, we love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. Now, last week, we spoke about the moment recorded in history from Matthew's gospel in chapter 14, verse 22 to 33, where Peter, a follower of Jesus, got out of the uncomfortable boundaries of his boat, and he walked on water to where Jesus was standing. Now, think about this. Peter didn't step beyond the boundaries of the boat to walk on water in order to put God first. He did it because Jesus was already in first place. He chose to get out and walk on water because Jesus already had. When we go, we don't go because we're putting God first. We go because he's already in first place. Until you've positioned yourself under his authority, acknowledging that he already is first, you won't trust aligning your walk to his words. And if you're not willing to go, you won't know the full manifestation of the miraculous provision, power, and peace he has for your life. And this is why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus' words are documented as he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We spend so much striving to put God first, while we should rather focus on seeking the God that's already in first place. In fact, the word kingdom here in the verse is not describing a place with a castle, but the reign and the rule of a king over a kingdom. When I seek the reign and rule of Jesus over my life, I discover my place. And then, understanding my place, I surrender to his lordship instead of striving to put him first in my own strength. When I surrender to his rule, I embrace the power and provision of first place. You see, we should go out of surrender instead of striving. God, I'm trying so hard to put you first. God, I'm trying so hard. God, it feels like it's not working. I'm trying to put you first. The thing is, it's not about trying harder. It's about trusting deeper. At the end of the day, the power is never in question. Your position is. Oh, child, he is the king. 
You're part of his kingdom. You don't have to strive, but surrender to his lordship. And in that, you become aware that the power is never in question, but your position is. So let's stop striving for first place in a race that God has already won. In the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 25 to 28 in the New Testament, Jesus describes our kingdom position. Tells us this, Jesus, knowing the thoughts of the disciples, called them to his side and said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Right there in that scripture, Dr. E. Stanley Jones explains, this sets the central pattern of the character in the kingdom. We are to be servant-minded rulers. Your position is very important because your position in the kingdom of God is one of a servant faithfully stewarding the first place possessions of the king who rules. And this changes everything. Oh, Oh, so it's not my little kingdom I'm building with my stuff that I attain and my achievements and my little and I do. Oh, oh, wow. So, so literally my hands are off everything. Actually, oh, even my fear of drowning is not my, like he's the ruler of all of it. The boat I'm in and the boundaries I don't want to step past, the go that I don't want to move toward because of all the things. Actually, it belongs all to him and I'm just the steward of his first place possessions. This changes everything because it means my responsibility is obedience and the outcomes become God's problem because he is the king of the castle. In the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 10 to 15 in the Old Testament, King David writes a praise prayer in which we see he's had revelation of the kingdom of God. And he says, Then David praised the Lord in his presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. He's putting God first. He understands even if he tries to put God first, he can't because God already is. He goes on, Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. Right there, he acknowledges, I'm a servant serving in a kingdom that's bigger than myself. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything, the kingdom. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Because God in the kingdom, you are first. In the kingdom of God, we are servants faithfully stewarding our king's first place possessions. They all are his. And what that means is that greatness in the kingdom of God is measured in terms of obedience, not necessarily outcomes. 
What we do is we obsess so much on trying to control the outcomes in our own strength that we often overlook the one step of obedience we're called to be. We're assuming first place, saying, God, I want to put you first in my life. Hallelujah. So I want to go. And then we say, but I'm going to go, God, but not right now because, you know, once this is in place, then I will go. But, you know, I don't. And we obsess so much over trying to control the outcome, striving in our own strength, when all we're called to do is surrender to our position in the kingdom because Christ is at first place already. And all we need to do is as servants, we need to steward our lives by taking the next step of obedience. We spoke and referred to three people in the Bible that were called by God to go. And if you were with us in the first week of vision, you would have got the, the pray and fasting booklet where we actually spoke about these three men. We spoke about Peter. We spoke about Gideon and Moses. And we read about um, uh, Simon Peter uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. And Jesus says to him, he says, go and cast your fishing nets out into the deep waters. Simon's reply to him is, but Lord, we've been working hard all night and caught no fish. Simon was saying to God, why would I go and fish where there aren't any fish? Simon needed to stop obsessing over the outcome and leave it to Jesus. You know, Lord, I figured out the outcome. It's not going to work. I'm going to go out and just waste more time because I did this last night. So I know what the outcome is. So why would I ever obey you and take a step? Stop striving to control the outcomes. And as a servant, simply take the next step of obedience. And then we see in the book of Exodus, chapter 3 and 4 in the Old Testament, where God calls a man, Moses, to go and deliver his people from slavery in Egypt by speaking to Pharaoh. Moses replies in verse 10 of chapter 4, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses was saying to God, why would I go and speak to Pharaoh if I lacked the wit to handle his words in response to mine? I'll be like, what, what is he doing right here? He was obsessing over his prediction of the outcome, but all he had to do was leave that up to God. And then we see Gideon. Out of the book of Judges, chapter 6 in the Old Testament, and God gives Gideon the call to go to war, fighting against the enemy that had been oppressing God's people. And Gideon's response to God is, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. Gideon's assuming an outcome of defeat in a fight that requires a first place fighter. They're all going, I don't want to go because I'm figuring out the outcomes, and when I think about the fact that I can't control them, I'm not ready to take the one step of obedience you're calling me to. These men, Moses, Gideon, Peter, needed to serve their king, not by obsessing over the outcome, but stewarding their feelings, their abilities, their time, and their treasures in alignment with God's word, calling them to go. And as they focused on obeying his word in surrender, he produced the first place outcomes of many fish, of freedom from slavery and victory over battle. When you stop striving, and you accept your position in light of God's kingdom, you access the power of God's first place. You see, knowing the miracle 
starts with seeking the miracle maker, not the manifestation of it. It starts with seeking the miracle maker, not the manifestation of the miracle. Well, God, you know, I'm here and you said I must do this, but God, uh, like, I don't see any breakthrough coming, God. Like, I'm looking in the distance. I don't see it. Well, God, if I did this, I don't think, but I can't say. For many of us this year, there are areas of go in our personal lives. Addictions. Relationships. Our own identity. We know there's a next step. We're standing at the doorway. God said, I want you to go through this doorway into a new, and we're standing there and we're still in that thing of trying to put God first. So we're like, oh Lord, yes, it's after you, Lord. I want to put you first after you. We're sitting here going after you. And he he said, go through the door. And we're like, oh Lord, after you. We're so busy going after you that we don't realize he's already walked through the other side. Because God never tells you to go. God always calls you to go. He calls you beyond the boundaries of your comfort to where he is waiting with your reward because he is first.